Chris Jones is one of the top 10 players in this league. Did that just make things harder for the Kansas City Chiefs? Today, I'm Locked On Chiefs. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back, friends and neighbors. A special live edition with Matt Derrick from ChiefsDigest.com. Welcome, Matt. We have a lot to go over. Thanks for making us your first listen. Check out another Locked On show for your next listen because we're here every day of the week. All of them everywhere here on YouTube where you can like, sub, and hit the bell. On Spotify, on Apple, on all the audio platforms. You can get us everywhere. Please do. A lot to go over today. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and Performance Consulting, NFL33.com, and RGR Football. This is Matt Derrick from ChiefsDigest.com. Our man on the ground, looking trim, got the beard in full effect. I like it. Ooh, it's been an active 24 hours for me, Matt, and I've oscillated between emotions. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just kind of take a step back and let you talk me off the ledge. But between the comments made by Brett Veach, uh, the, the continued talk, uh, comments from Andy Reid, and now this Chris Jones is in the top 10 in the league. What does all this do to culminate? Where are we? Is this harder or easier than it was three days ago to get this deal done? I mean, I, th I think it's exactly the same. I mean, uh, the top 10 is nice for Chris Jones and all, and uh, I'm sure it's a, a bragging point that 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 his agents can use with Brett Veach and say, look, he's even ahead of Aaron Donald. He's the number one paid defensive tackle. So, <laughs> But I don't think it changes the Chiefs' philosophy, which is, of course, you know, hey, we cleared up some cap space. We cleared some room for Chris. We know exactly where we want him. We, we planned for this all along. Um, we, we wanted to keep him. We prioritized him over Tyreek Hill. None of that has changed. Uh, if you want to play and want to win Super Bowls, probably have to leave a little bit on the table because Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey did that. So I don't think Brett Veach's you know, message is probably changing a whole lot. Uh, and I don't imagine that. I mean, Chris Jones was probably already telling people that his, 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 his representation was already telling the Chiefs and telling them, hey, it's one of the top 10 players in the league. So I don't know if it changes a whole lot. I know it does out here in the fan verse, and that's fine, but you mentioned something really important that I don't think we talk about enough, and that is between Brant Tillis and Brett Veach, it's, it's the slotting of the contracts into not just this year's plan, but the overall plan. That's a really interesting aspect because that is one of, I think, the guardrails that keeps the gap uh, where it is in terms of trying, you have to negotiate within that window for the team. Obviously, Chris can ask for whatever he wants. I do think there's still a meeting of the minds to come together, but in your mind, where is that guardrail right now? What is the, the range that the Chiefs are looking for? Yeah, and, and that's the thing is what we really don't know. We don't know where the sticking point is between these two sides. There's been some assumptions and there's been some guesses, and they might be educated guesses, but for the most part, there hasn't been really a lot of leaks from either side. And, you know, and and you know, I know a lot of people have been trying to read the tea leaves into what, you know, uh, Brett Veach said because he, he's done interviews with the star and, and with ESPN. Um, he'll be talking to yours too, truly too. So, I mean, this is what Brett Veach does in training camp. He sits down with reporters. If the chiefs had a message that they wanted to leak out, you would be hearing it anonymously through some national reporters. That's, that would be how it typically gets out. This is just, you know, routine business. This is just Brett Veach sitting down um, for conversations that he has every training camp. And, and getting asked questions. And frankly, I mean, in that context, I think he's giving politically correct answers. He's not saying anything that's surprising any of us. And certainly I don't think that he was casting any aspersions on Chris. Um, what we don't know is where does both sides want to be? You know, is, is Chris Jones stuck on 31 million or the Chiefs stuck on 25? 
we really don't know. I mean, the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. I mean, it would be done if it were that easy to just say, hey, it's 27.5, everybody's happy. But that's not what's happening. Is it that? Is it the guaranteed money? You know, it, that could be the sticking point. I mean, we really don't know what's holding these two sides apart. But here's why it's going to get done. Because neither side has anywhere else to go. I mean, Brett Feach <laughs> said it. I mean, you know, there's no interest in trading Chris Jones. I don't think that Chris Jones wants to get traded because, you know, the only places that Chris Jones can go to get money and the Chiefs can get a return for Chris Jones means wherever Chris Jones is going, he's not going to win. And I think Chris wants to win. So if you want to win and you want to make money for Chris Jones, the only place to do that is in Kansas City. And I do know that his legacy to him is important. He's enjoyed his time in Kansas City. I don't think that this is a case of, you know, Tyreek, where Tyreek wanted to go to Miami. I don't think that Chris has a destination that he wants to go to. I think he wants to stay in Kansas City, wants to make as much money as he can. Uh, don't begrudge him on that. So I, I think that at some point, somebody's going to blink. Who is going to be? I don't know. Will it be before Chris really starts to get, you know, losing some money this weekend when he could get fined $1.1 million for missing a preseason game? Maybe so. Will it be the Chiefs if they play a preseason game without Chris and don't like the look at the pass rush? Maybe right. so. I mean, we'll see. It, it, it'll get done. My only concern at this point is, the, the does it get done with hurt feelings that then have to be smoothed over afterwards? That And, and that could be anybody. It could be Chris. It could be, you know, the Chiefs. It could be teammates. You know, it's how, how what how's everybody going to be feeling once this is all done? Yeah, there's the mechanics of the deal, and then there's how you feel about it, right? I'm glad that, that you get one of the later sit-downs with Brett Veach. I look forward to what you'll be able to tease out of him because uh, he has a very good – tacked about him and putting a positive spin on it and how much we love a guy and we want him around and uh, I look forward to your conversation with him but the last thing that it, it tells me is that it's not set in stone but it is pretty parameterized so the big question for me is is there anything that the Cats brothers can do to try to push this agenda are we waiting for it to go public and start seeing comments more so like you said it's been pretty quiet so far I mean, it has been pretty quiet. The only thing that I really think that could change the equation on either side at this point is if a deal is not done before this weekend's preseason game and and something dramatically changes it. Uh, I mean, if the Chiefs defensive line plays out of its mind and collects eight sacks, uh, maybe Brad Feach is going to be sitting back and saying, you know what? Don't need to give Chris $31 million or anything crazy like that because we got some guys who can play. If the Chiefs get picked apart and get no pressure on the quarterback, the Cats brothers might be saying, Chris Jones is even more important than you think. Um, I, I mean, I really don't think that that's, that's going to happen. I don't think that there's anything that can happen at this point that's going to dramatically change both sides. I think it's just a matter that, that one side's going to have to give. And, I, I mean, to me, I think there's a lot more pressure on the Cats side of this than, than the Jones side of things because if this gets done, to me – I mean, if, if Chris Jones doesn't end up with a deal that's north of $28 million a year and probably maybe even significantly ahead of $70 million guaranteed, I'm going to be sitting back and wondering, what was this all for? Because mm -hmm. I think, you know, to a degree, $27 million and $70 million guaranteed probably could have been done a couple of weeks ago. Right. Um, I mean, that's the thing is that what this deal ends up like, I mean, we'll see who, who gave at the end. But right now, I mean, everybody's playing cordial. Nobody's playing hardball, at least publicly. They may be doing it behind closed doors. But uh, at this point, at least it's been a professional negotiation, if you can call it that, for a guy who's been holding out for 18 days. 
<laughs> it's part of the profession, right? It is. Getting, getting ready for the season is also part of the, the profession that he'll have to do when he gets back. And there's another guy in particular that I want to focus on getting ready for this season right now because there are questions. We're going to talk about Trent McDuffie on the backside of this. A little message from our friends at Underdog. August is here, and that means the official start of Fantasy Football Drafting Month right now. Underdog's the easiest place to get all your fantasy football and the best place for best ball. Best ball is the, the mania for is right now. It's the largest fantasy football tournament ever. Get in the championship ready for your home league by using best ball from Underdog Fantasy. All you do is draft one live snake draft, no waivers, no trades. Underdog sets the best lineup for you every single week. Try it out with Underdog's Best Ball Mania Tournament. The largest fantasy football contest of all time is back, and it's bigger than ever. There's 15 million up for grabs in total prizes, including an absurd $3 million to the winner. Last year, the winner drafted their team in July. Visit underdogfantasy.com and find them in the App Store and sign up for their promo code locked on. That'll give you your first deposit doubled up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code locked on to get double your first deposit up to 100 bucks. Check out Underdog today. Today, the underdog for me is what's going on in the secondary. A significant loss, I think, to Nazi Johnson uh, a, a bit ago as camp was, was starting to roll on. But now, for those of you that missed yesterday's show, I'm a little concerned about Jerry Sneed's knee. And if you haven't heard that, go back and check that out because we are here for you five days a week. But in the interim, Matt, I think what we're not paying enough attention to is the fact that with Legereus out, there's another CB1 in the making that I think Trent McDuffie has shown that he's made some progress in the offseason. Certainly he's hit the ground running and is repping a lot at nickel. Would you expect that he is their nickel and they should just come out and say that at this point? Yeah, I mean, you you could definitely say that. And you're right. I mean, when you're talking about who is the number one corner on this team, I mean, you say it with the experience right now that it's Legereus Sneed, but uh, can I make the compelling case that it's Trent McDuffie right now as it is? Yeah, I think I could. I mean, he's come on that much. He is the guy that they trust to right now be the guy that's playing inside and outside. So he's going to be moving around a lot. Um, you know, if they do, you know, do some matching, I mean, if they, if they want to have anybody follow and shadow, is it going to be Snead? Could very well be, he's still the guy that's going to get the tougher matchups. Um, but I'm with you. I mean, the, the knee for Legarius is a concern because injuries have consistently been a concern for him. I mean, the knee is not a new thing that's popped up. It has bothered him before. Um, and that the medical issues are probably one thing that has held up, you know, an extension for Legarius need as well. I mean, that's something that the Chiefs have got to consider. So what has Trent McDuffie done? I mean, he is ramping up his snaps. Remember, he he had the calf injury, the leg injury in the offseason, kept him out of a lot of OTAs. So they did start training camp with him on a pitch count, um, but have been ramping that up. Uh, let's see what happens. I'm, I'm anticipating that based on the workload that he's been carrying, that he will play in the preseason game for the first team defense against New Orleans. Um, wouldn't necessarily be a stunner if for some reason they decide to hold him out since they, like I said, they have been keeping him on a pitch count. Um, but there's no doubt to me. I mean, you know, Trent McDuffie, when, when we have the conversations with Steve Spagnuolo, for instance, we had on Tuesday about, you know, the, this rookie secondary and guys, you know, putting behind their rookie mistakes, you know, we're talking a little bit about Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams. We're not really bringing Trent McDuffie and, and Brian Cook into those conversations. Those two guys are like, in a, I mean, it's almost as though they're veterans. 
that they're not even viewed as second year players. And for McDuffie, I think that's a big deal. I mean, his, there's no doubt. I mean, to me, I think he is playing like a, a veteran and a leader out there right now. I love to hear that because the projection was difficult for Trent, given how much zone he played in college and, and making the adjustments, now making a further adjustment into the nickel that he it freely admits he didn't play hardly at all in college. So that's a completely new role. My question then becomes, what if this lingers? What if all this time off that they're giving Legereus need now doesn't correct the issue and he still has the inflammation? I don't know that he's able to play if he had to in week one right now. If that's not the case... Do you then have to switch your concept, or do you think the Chiefs will switch their concept of leaving McDuffie on the inside? If Legereus is not out on the field, do they have to move him back to a boundary and really take away one of the outside receivers? Yeah, and and probably the guy that it depends the most on in that equation is Nick Jones. Nick Jones is the guy that they are kind of testing and prepping out to see if he can handle the the slot. There's some other guys around. I mean, DiCaprio Boodle has done it before, so he's probably a little bit further down in the rotation as a guy that in a pinch you could put out there. But if they're looking to upgrade, at least from the past, and I mean, this this team has a intention of being a top 10 defense. If they want to be a top 10 defense, it's probably more upside with a guy like Nick Jones. So in that equation, if you don't have a Legereus Sneed, what do you do? I would anticipate that McDuffie is still going to be the guy that plays inside and out. And then it's going to be who is who do you feel most comfortable with on the outside? Now, if Nick Jones really steps up and shows that he can handle the nickel, maybe you do. Maybe you do go straight where McDuffie stays on the outside. Right now, it'd probably be a Joshua Williams on the outside opposite him. Jalen Watson's obviously in the mix there too. Um, but, you know, the, the loss of Nazi Johnson certainly gives him a blow with the depth. And if they had to play for an extended period of time or start the season without Legereus, I mean, that's another blow to the depth. And now you're starting to get a little concerned. I mean, they've I think this team's deep enough to handle that, to do that in the short term. Um, but I'm with you. I mean, it, it's a concern, especially when Andy Reid's talking about how that they're trying to manage that inflammation now so that he enters the season, you know, in better shape. There's no guarantee that's going to happen. I mean, he may be going into the season less than 100%, and that knee inflammation is going to be chronic. I like where you're going with that, and I and I, I think we should all be aware, and folks, that's why I bring it up. But the other thing that I think we need to address as well is with the Amenhue suspension, which could be reduced. We, we don't know if that's going to happen. I kind of feel like it will, but we don't know. Without him and with the Jones contract situation, if both Jones and Snead were to miss a regular season game, I don't see any way that this team can be a top 10 defense. Is it that critical or am I overreacting to it? No, I don't think you are. I mean, and that's where I I think you, you have to have some concerns when it comes to all of those guys. I mean, um, you know, I think Andy Reid, I think, had a pretty pointed message for Chris on Monday when I asked him about, you know, is there a time when Chris Jones needs to be in here in order to be make sure that he is game ready, speed ready for week one? And he was pretty pointed. And yeah, I mean, this is going fast and he needs all the time that he can to be here. Um, this is really when you're starting to get to that point. I mean, this is when things really ramp up. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you're Chris Jones and you want to be at 100 percent of football ready, you need to be out there right now. And, and Legereus is the same way. I mean, it's not just a matter of getting him to week one. It's making sure that he's football speed ready. And that's the and, and I'll throw I'll bring Kadarius Tony in that conversation as well, because that's another guy you're counting on. There's a difference between Tony being healthy in week one 
and being at the speed that you need to be in week one. And they've got a, a couple of those guys, you know, getting Mike Dana back is a big deal because if, if he's back, to, you know, he goes back on the field on Tuesday, um, looks like he's ready to, to, to ramp up. So, you know, it doesn't, if he, if that's the case, then you feel like this is enough time for Mike Dana to be ready by week one and set to go. Uh, so that's, that's at least something that's going in the right direction for them. But, you know, if you have to, if you, right now, if this chief's defense had to start the season without Legarius, without Chris Jones, you know, I don't know that they're a hundred percent certain who would be taking both those spots. I think that's going to be critical. There's another thing that we have to go over that is going to be critical, and that who rises to the occasion. Climbers are coming up next, but remember, Chris is going to be back tomorrow. He's going to go through a whole different concept, and if you want in on the text line now, before we get to the regular season, Texas is 816-357-8781, and get connected. Now, on the backside of this, I want to get to who's stepping up that we haven't mentioned yet, because there are a few. We'll do that right after this. Matt, you threw a couple of good names out at us. Nick Jones was one of the guys on my list that I I love his physicality, and I, I feel like he's rounding into shape a little bit more. But I want to go to the other side, particularly on the offense, because we saw a hot start maybe for a week, almost, I want to say nine days, for both Rasheed Rice and Justin Ross coming on. Now it seems to have tampered down a little bit, and we're seeing a little bit more Nico Remigio making some big plays that, that we're getting a little hyped for. Is hype a real thing, and should we be concerned that we're hitting that point in camp where the young guys are starting to hit a little bit of a wall, and can they power through that and still make plays? Yeah, it depends. For the hype, to me, it depends on who's making the hype against who. Um, if you're making the hype against second and third team, that's not doing you much good. I mean, it can help you get some more reps and everything, but if you want to make the 53, you need to be making them against the first team. And that's why, I mean, at, at, at receiver, I mean, Romeo's a, a really nice story and everything, I mean, but he would be a great practice squad guy. I mean, that's, that's certainly his ceiling for right now. For him to be contributing this year, even make the 53, there's going to be a lot of injuries, and that's not what anybody wants. Um, now, how uh, – but, I mean, seriously, I mean, the Chiefs, I mean, I think there's pretty clear delineation now. I mean, they've got a top seven receiver group uh, about who that is. And can they keep seven guys on the active roster? That's going to be a real question. Um, but as far as – I mean, I, I, let's be real, and let's just talk about what we've seen on the practice field and what the reps are telling us. Um, the reps are telling us that without Kadarius Tony, the starters right now are Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Sky Moore, and Justin Watson. And the other guys are going to be coming off the bench. And, mm. you know, where are they in the rotation? I mean, I, I think everybody's got a role. Rasheed Rice has a role, but it, it's not necessarily going to be in all three positions. I mean, he's going to have a specific set of packages that he's in. Maybe the same about for Richie James, although I think he's a little bit more flexible as far as the places that he can play. And and Justin Ross is also, I mean, there's some flexibility there as far as, you know, different spots that you can put him. But I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, that th those three receivers that we're talking about at the top of the rotation are going to be the guys who gets most of the work early on. I mean, Justin Watson got a ton of routes last year. Now, he's not necessarily the most productive, but the Chiefs trust him because he knows the offense I mean, he's I keep comparing him to Albert Wilson, and I mean that as a compliment because that was a guy that the Chiefs always knew they could put out there. He was going to run the right routes. He was going to be in the right spot. He could do some of the dirty work. That's how Justin Watson kind of is for this team. I mean, he's the one they went to as soon as Tony went down. I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, that's 
that's the top three that you're going to see. And, and the other guys are going to fill in as they get opportunities. So with the wide receiver group set, and, and I love that you're talking about seven as well, because that's kind of where I've been lying for a couple of weeks here. Who are the other guys that have to earn something? A lot of Dave Tobe talk this week. Who can make that rush to get on the roster through Dave? Any camp climbers that we haven't heard enough about, in your opinion? Yeah, you know, and this is the time of camp where really things start to change. I mean, you know, where maybe the guys who were borderline, you know, or, you know, those those first, second, third year guys um, that have been around for a little bit were maybe trying to get their opportunities, have had some snaps, but now they're going to be backing off. And the guys who are actually, you know, going to be on the 53 start getting some of their work. Um, a great example is uh, Echo Boydo that you mentioned earlier. He's a he's a bit of a real camp climber. Um, does he have a shot at the 53? I think it's a long shot. And right now is when he's he's gotten his opportunities. He's kind of proven what he can do. And I think he's made a strong case for the practice squad. But, you know, can he crack the 53? It's going to be tough from a number standpoint because what who do we see getting more reps now? Well, another guy like a Chamari Connor, different position. But when you're talking about choosing a last cornerback or a last safety, are you going to choose the undrafted cornerback or are you going to choose the the safety that you picked? You're going to Chamari Connor's going to win that job. Right. So, you know, that's who we're starting to see. Felix, you know, Anaduke Uzama starting to get more reps. You're starting to see the the rookies who didn't get as much work early are starting to now because they're going to make this 53 and maybe some of the other guys like a Daniel Wise and a Matt Dickerson, a defensive tackle that filled in for Chris Jones, their work is probably going to start going down unless they've done enough to show to those coaches that they deserve to be on the 53. Um, the, the most interesting one, I think the toughest one that's going to judge is going to be tight end because I, I think that the, the Chiefs certainly have five guys who've made a case. One's not healthy right now. So, you know, with Jody Fortson, that's put himself in a really tough position. Um, but Matt Bushman, Matt Bushman is, is the overlooked guy the most that I think has the best shot at making this 53, uh, you know, other than some of the other camp darlings we talked about with, uh, you know, Justin Ross and the Dinneric Prince. I think Matt Bushman's your guy. I, I love hearing that because I've been pulling for him for a bit. I want to go back real quick. Real, real quick, because uh, Boy Doe, who you mentioned for special teams, he did get a few looks with the first team defense as well. How did that fare for you? Yeah, he's actually looked pretty well, and, and I think it's there's no doubt. I mean, I think that that Steve Spagnuolo and Dave Merritt are a bigger fan than probably Dave Tobe. Dave Tobe's got some concerns about that size on special teams, <laughs> and and that's one thing you know because you did ask about special teams as well. Um, I've been really surprised by how I would say veteran laden they are. Um, because, you know, you do talk about, you know, the young guys, rookies having to make their marks on special teams. There's a few rookies that are in places and spots. I mean, generic Prince, like we've talked about, is going to get the first shot at kick returner. And if he nails down that job, it'll be his. Um, but otherwise, you know, there's a handful of rookies like, like Connor, like Nick Jones that are, you know, on that kind of range. But for the most part, because the Chiefs went so young at, at, on special teams last year and all those guys are back. So, you know, Jack Cochran, you know, a Dion Bush is a veteran guy. He's probably going to be out there. Um, Noah Gray is a reliable, you know, special teams guy. I mean, they've, they've not gone anywhere. And Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams are going to be gunners. You know, I mean, we you you kind of start seeing how, how it's going to be really, really hard for even the draft picks to win some special teams jobs. Well, 
that's a good thing for the overall roster and their chances of repeating. So let's roll with that. We're going to hear more as we get ready for this first preseason game, and we'll be back with Matt later in the week as well, uh, following the game, excuse me. So, Matt, thanks for your time. I know it's a busy, busy time of year, and we really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. Nothing better than training camp. Come on, Ryan. Right. Well, there are a few things I can think of, but, hey, we're doing all right. Folks, we'll be back with you tomorrow. Chris is going to return. We're going to have all kinds of content this week. Don't miss it. Please like, sub, hit that bell right now. Get connected on Spotify and Apple. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.